The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And for the next hour or so, we're just going to be talking about gardening. It's uh, cold. Got friends scattered all over the South, from Texas to the Carolinas, into Virginia, up into into uh, West Virginia. Been uh, chatting with them, you know, horticulture's garden writer friends and all like that. And and at least we got sunshine. At least we got sunshine, folks. It's been a weird, weird year. But for the next hour, we're going to talk about gardening. Again, I'm horticulture's fell to rushing. I'm a retired extension horticulturist and um, you know, got credentials out the wazoo. But I found out this year because of the coronavirus being uh, at home for the whole year instead of going overseas, um, I found out this year I'm not that I'm not that great a gardener. I can plant stuff. Uh, the difference between me and my my uh, my g- uh, other gardeners is that when something goes wrong in my garden, I know why. Doesn't keep it from going wrong, but at least I have the satisfaction of knowing why. And there's always better next year, right? Uh, gardening is a is a hopeful thing, eh? It's a big tent. A lot of different kind of people, a lot of diversity. We got room for all different sorts of approaches, uh, but. It, when it gets down to it, we all garden sort of by ourselves, and uh, whether we garden for other people's or pleasure or to approval of others or just to satisfy ourselves, uh, gardening is, is a hopeful thing. And uh, if you want to talk about gardening, you can give us a call. It's toll-free, mpb ring I've got some things to talk about, but uh, let's jump in with what we do best, and that's bring the community together here at MPB. We're going to start out from Rick calling from South Carolina. Rick, what are you doing calling Mississippi from South Carolina? Ain't you got folks over there? Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we're helping people over here, too. We thought y'all might need a little help down that way. That's right. A really good friend of mine, a guy named Bob Polumsky, is extension horticulturist there. Uh, Dr. Bob and I go way, 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 way back. So, anyway, what you got going on? Uh, I got a couple questions on the kudzu. You know anything about it much? A little bit. Pretty good bit. Uh, how do how deep do you dig until you get your good roots? To get rid of it or to transplant no. it? No, use it as a tincture or into. Uh, what well, you know, the roots are. It depends on your kind of soil. If you got normal dirt, you know, you can dig down and start running into them right off the right off the bat. You know, and I've I've seen a good bit about kudzu uh, being uh, a tincture for even against COVID, but I don't really talk yeah. about stuff like that because illegal. Uh-huh. I'm not a medical doctor's reason. But anyway, just start digging, and you're gonna slice into a big old tuberous looking root, and it's a tuber uh-huh. you're looking for. It's like a big sweet potato. Yeah. How how big does it get? Oh, they they get bigger in your head. I mean, they can't a, a kudzu plant in South Carolina where it doesn't you know get get really really cold down deep. Uh, they can get huge. I, I've never I, I never have seen how big they can get, but they can get too big for for an old guy like me to want to pick up. Yeah. Huh. 
But, uh, you know, when you find some kudzu, there's always smaller ones uh, around the edge of the bigger ones. So, you know, you can find whatever size root you want by just digging around. Uh, can you make it into a bread? Yeah, kudzu, yeah, kudzu root. Actually, kudzu, all parts of it are edible. Uh, we even serve kudzu flowers in a salad at our governor's mansion one time. Uh, but the, the roots are starchy. You know, you can, can turn them into starch and, and, and make bread with them. I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been used for centuries in Asia where it's native. So leaves and flowers. Is All parts are edible. Or, you know, the the stems are going to be kind of chewy. You're going to want to say them, them to cut off short and brush your teeth with. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so, uh, what about elderberry? You, you, do you know if it kills the crown of the... I do not get into. I do absolutely okay. in in forty years of radio. I've never gotten into to medicinal use of, of plants ever. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a legal thing. Add licorice or ginger to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, this it, it's just uh, it, it's just yeah. I mean, sugar, whatever you want to. It's just a lot of people make wine or, or jelly out of the berries, and also uh-huh. the flowers. There, you can take the flowers and cut them off when they're full bloom. Uh, you know, uh, wash them off a little bit to get the aphids and things off, and pat them dry and and uh, fritter them like pancakes. Uh, a little bit of meat don't hurt nothing. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, man, <laughs> you stay warm, okay? Okay, thank you now. Thanks for the information. You bet. Appreciate it. Yeah, there's. A, I don't talk about mushrooms. I don't talk about medicinal herbs. I just don't do it because I'm not a medical. Liz, you know, we've got a medical. I don't. Does do, do, do the uh, Southern Remedy, do they get into uh, medicinal herbs and stuff? You'd think with a name like Southern Remedy, but uh, I think our doctors usually stick with uh, AMA certified yeah, <laughs> advice. Yeah. And, you know, and there's a lot of stuff. You know, as a matter of fact, I talked with Dr. Rick one time. He started Southern Remedy about eating dirt. You know, a lot of people cook clay and eat it for digestive disorders. And and, and he said, well, if you think about it, kale pectate, which we take for an upset stomach, is made out of a clay from Georgia called kaolinite. So kale pectate is dirt. And so is so is salt. I want to ask but for you, legal reasons, you're not. For, for, <laughs> you for don't legal reasons, that, that's, that's right. Uh, as a professional journalist, you know, l- people like me have actually gotten sued for for misinformation. But uh, let me ask you another thing before we go. To this next call, Liz. Um, last week, somebody called and said that there's a problem with with mice and rats chewing the wiring in cars and you're the you're the producer of the of the of the car show the car. that's right autocorrect with the lady auto mechanic we are on thursdays at uh 10 a.m and beginning january 2nd we're going to be on saturday mornings at 11 wow cool 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 but you said that people have actually called in there saying that mice and rats will eat the wiring in cars because it's made out of plants or something that's right allison walker the lady auto mechanic has mentioned that they've gone to soy based uh plastic coatings uh for the for the wires Uh and it's tasty tasty to the rodents huh wow you know, there's so many different kinds of things between the Southern Remedy, the cooking, the the, the car, the the tech, the money matters, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm really glad to be part of this team. It's a lot of fun here. We're glad to have you, Felder. And, and happy anniversary, 50th anniversary for for did it start out as ETV or did it start out? We started. We weren't MPB until recently. Right. We were, you know, Mississippi Authority for Educational Television, and there was also. Uh, public radio in Mississippi, 
that and then uh, a few years later they all became uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Yep, and this is also the 50th anniversary for University of Princeton Mississippi, which your husband Craig Gill is the uh, executive director. Uh, just 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 plain old just plain old director. That's plain right. Old, plain old director. But, but, uh, I, I think the Mississippi legislature was pretty busy in 1970 uh, bringing lots of good agencies and uh, for the people of Mississippi. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to everybody. And let's let's get back to gardening, though, and talk with Dan calling from Horn Lake. Hey, Dan, good morning, sir. How are you, fellas? So far, so good. How about you? Oh, good, good, good. Listen, i got to uh, ask a question, and then I want to give a comment, because I think you might be wrong on something. I, I am awfully, I'm often mistaken and misinformed. Okay. So first of all, gophers. We we have talked about the uh, gophers and, and and that before, and you told me the only thing worse is them spikes that'll go down and kill them. Well, from for moles. Yeah, well, moles and and, and the gophers. Uh, you know. But, yeah, I don't know the sp- I don't know the spikes will, will take care of, of groundhog gophers, but anyway, they they work yeah. on moles, but that's the only one I'm sure yeah. of. Well, I know I've got moles, and you know I got trails all through the yards and everything. Uh-huh. But in my backyard, because I have a dog, I can't set them spikes to kill them. And we talked about, you said there was nothing, all that stuff you spray on the yards and the pellets and all that would kill kill the moles. Well, they're, they're, I will back up. I work with people who take care of gardens, professional gardens, home gardens, people like me, literally all over the country and the world. And of all the remedies we've seen, they only work sometimes for a while, for some folks. I see. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so what I was going to say is that, you know, I told you, uh, I asked about those little vibrating things, you know, would that get rid of the moles? Well, my dog had been dr- digging for moles and digging and digging and digging. Well, I went and I went to one of the major stores and I bought them vibrating things and put it in the ground. She hasn't dug a bit since I put those in, so evidently it's discouraged the moles from being around there. Or, or, uh, or, or it tickles your nose too much. Well, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, the, the, all, all of these things have, well, the juicy fruit gum thing stuck in holes, that does not work. And the right, the, right, right. the mold beans, uh, the castor bean seeds, they do not work because moles don't eat those kind of things. But right. anything that irritates them or dries away their food or makes it uncomfortable for them, they'd rather, just like you and me, after a while, we're just going to say, heck with this, we're out of here. Right, but, uh, right. but as far as the only thing that we know is dependable about 50% of the time of the mold traps. That's only, And, again, there's people like me who have tried and seen and heard it all for for. For decades and decades, and so okay. anyway, that's the only thing that I know is going to work. For if people okay. want to try the other stuff, go for it. Oh right, right, right. So anyway, that's what I was thinking. I don't know if you're wrong, you're right, or whatever. But in this instance, it worked, and it may only work for a little bit. Yeah, but, well, uh, and, and and that's enough. Yeah, and so how many of the moles typically, when uh, uh, voles and moles both, when they're underground digging like that, how many usually through like a, a family or whatever you call it? Yeah, and, uh, and keep in mind, moles and voles are completely different 
creatures with different lifestyles and they eat different things. You know, they're just, you know, voles eat plants and, you know, it, as well as, as, as insects and worms and all. But anyway, they're completely different creatures. And um, the the moles, a lot of times there may be only two or three in an area, you know, sometimes just one. But there may be more, you know, it just depends on, you know, the, the earthworm population. Because people think, well, if we kill the grub worms, we'll get rid of the moles. Well, moles also eat earthworms. You know, right. they'll eat anything soft and, and, and gooey. Right. So, uh, but anyway, it can be anywhere from one, which can do a lot of damage, to, to two or three. Yeah, I mean, they're all over my yard. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, front yard, uh, I still have them. Backyard, I put the little vibrating thing, but in indication that they're not there. Anyway, let's put it that way. Yeah. My dog is not digging the backyard anymore for them, so. Yeah, uh, well, it might be interesting to see if you put that vibrating thing in your dog's food bowl and see what happens. Yeah, she probably won't eat that either. <laughs> what, what you got, Liz? So. Just wanted to uh, remind everyone that after Dan is finished, we would love for them to call in with one eight seven seven MPB ring. Yeah, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Yeah, well, Dan, I appreciate it, and good luck okay. with that. Let, let's know how let's let's know how it works. Thank you so much, and I appreciate all your advice. Thank you, you betcha. Merry Christmas. Have, happy holidays. And uh, and happy Hanukkah. All the, you know, there's so many things right now. I tell you, we could take a real, real quick break, just a little short thing. We've got the lines open right now. Want to give us a call? Toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring um, And when we come back out of this break, I'm going to play a snippet of one of the corniest, cheesiest, Christmassy type of tunes I've ever heard. I, <laughs> I've I've heard a lot. We're just going to come back with a little snippet of it. And your phone call, so give us a call. I would like to also mention that I've got a bouquet here that came from my great-grandmother's garden. Not all the flowers, but the, all the flowers were in her garden. Uh, maybe 20 years ago when my father passed away late December, I made a bouquet from his yard, which had been his mother-in-law's yard, which had been her mother-in-law's, my great-grandmother's yard, a bouquet of flowers that bloom well, they look great in the garden, and they work well in flower arrangements in the middle of the winter. Welcome to the South. We're going to take a quick, quick break and come right back. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. some fun over the next couple of weeks. Uh, it has been a terrible year for a lot of different reasons, but 
We always have hope for the new year. That's what the solstice is about, is welcoming a new break, uh, a new new sun. And that's coming up next week, the winter solstice. Um, and uh, we're also going to have a, an interesting event, the Star of Bethlehem, the combination of a couple of planets up in the sky at the same time. So it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. Just hoping everybody stays safe and healthy. Uh, we're going to start out this uh, this segment in North Mississippi talking with Joe. Hey, Joe, you scared to say exactly where you're from? Yes, I'm up in northern Mississippi area. I'm out in the country. Yeah. And I heard you talking about kazoo a while ago. Uh-huh. I was interesting about how it's edible. I did not know that. All parts right. are edible. You can eat the leaves. You can eat the flowers. You can t- there's the roots are of uh, you can get make a starch out of the roots. Right, but how do I get rid of kazoo off my property <laughs> if, it's, if it's invading everything? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, you can cut it down and it comes back. You can try to dig it up. You're never going to get it all. And if you got a really big area, uh, it's it's not practical to do anything except either keep it cut. You know, we can slowly starve it out, uh, but in the woods and all, the only really good, effective, and safe approach is uh, is to use a, a herbicide that's called Roundup. That's the only one that'll work. That's the only one that's safe that won't kill all the other plants out there. And as long as you don't get it on you uh, over and over and over, it's not going to be a, a big deal. But you can cut it down in the wintertime. When the new growth comes out in the spring, you can spray that, the new growth. Or else you can set some, some goats out there. That'll do it. Ah, okay, thank you. Goats will do it, and, and not only that, but when the goats are when, you, when the goats are done with it, you can eat them with some <laughs> cu- with some kudzu flour. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there's there's not a, there's not a you know physical removal works if you stay at it over and over and over and, and peter it out. But goats or Roundup are the only good solutions in the woods. All right, thank you very much. Good luck on it, man. Sorry, I wish I could say something a little bit cheerier, but that's that's what it boils down to. Hey, let's slide down to the Gulf Coast of of uh, Southeast United States to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Darlene, how are you? Well, hey, Felda, I'm doing fine. Good. I bought some little paper whites. Never never had them before, and I've got them in a little pot in the kitchen where they told me to put them where the light is. Uh huh. Anyway, they're so tall. I know you hope, told my husband Gene about putting some kind of whiskey or something on them to make or, them. Or <laughs> you, you can use rubbing alcohol if you got it, but gin or vodka will work too. Well, they already got up to size. Too, too, too late. Too late. Yeah, too you, late. You do this and when I you first start. Yeah, huh? you you do it when you first start. What it does is, and it's just a little bit. You you put like a a ten percent maximum solution. So you know, like like a one part of clear alcohol to about nine parts of water. Not very much. Not enough to kill it, but it stunts the roots yeah. and stunts the everything about it. But they bloom the same time, same flower, same fragrance. They just compact. About all you can do right now is make you a little halo thing out of a coat hanger to hold them upright. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Now, I had tied them up a little bit, very loose, about three ways up, mm-hmm. and uh, but I figured I need to let them loose. Now, everything is standing up except for one of them with the flower on it. Yeah, well, you know, just, you know, uh, go over to uh, this is in your kitchen, right? And turn yeah. around, look over that little stack of uh, where you, every time you take those little twisty things off of bread wrappers, take a couple of those and, and tie them together and make you a little little lasso for it. Okay. Well, that's what I had done. Something, some little woven, whatever it was. Very yeah. soft, very loose. 
and, 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 you that's, know, and, and that's all you can do. And, darling, for what it's worth, uh, the earliest paper wash, there's a lot of different paper wash are a, there's, there's, there's seven or eight groups, different groups of narcissus. Paper whites uh-huh. are one group. They all have the multiple flowers and fragrance and all that. The earliest one to bloom for me, which bloomed for Thanksgiving this year, and still, I've got some in the, in the studio right now. Um, the early ones tend to flop even in my yards. I had to tie them up with some of that green florist tape, and they, yeah. they look like they're being strangled because, yeah. because yeah. I, I tied them up too high. <laughs> but that's all you could do, just stand them up. Well, now, these, these kind of stink. The bloom stinks or yeah. the whole plant? You know, this is it's really, really interesting. Liz and I were talking about before the program today. They have a really strong my, – my entire little cabin smells of it. And when you walk in at first, you think a cat has peed in my cabin. Okay. It smells, it smells a little <laughs> bit like, like, uh, like feline urine. Yeah, but but you know only if you choose. It's sort of like tinnitus. You learn to uh, ignore certain things. Oh yeah, well it's pretty and I like it. <laughs> it so. it'll, it'll drive it's you out. Person. Well, I just bought it at the grocery store already, doing its thing yeah. and whatever, and a little bottle and whatever. Yeah. So I wanted to give it a try. So next year, before I get any, I'll find out what to get from you and plant them. You know, from scratch. Yeah. Are these in water or are they in soil? Water. Yeah, water works fine. As long as the water just barely touches the bottom of the bulb. And what you do next year is you mix. It's a very, very small amount of either rubbing alcohol or any kind of clear alcohol with the water. And uh-huh. it went, and you do it when you first start. And they'll okay. bloom at six, eight inches tall. Wow, that's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it will have flowers. <laughs> and, and, and smell like cat pee. <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> okay, darling. Okay, good luck on it. You. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Find you some ribbon to wrap them up with, something pretty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Now, this uh, arrangement I've got, I've got uh, three sprays of paper white narcissus, real fragrant. Uh, they're, 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 they're pretty little du- durable plants, only for the South. Those of you who may be listening to podcasts up North, these things will grow in the South. Uh, they'll grow in the Southwest. They don't need much of a winter. They don't need any cold at all, really, to bloom. But unfortunately, further north, they'll freeze to death, unlike other daffodils. But I also have a little spray of, of uh, Nandina berries, and I have a single flower of a Camellia japonica called Pink Perfection. The Camellia sasanquas have been blooming for a couple of months. The japonicas start blooming in December uh, on into January, February, even March. But the one called Pink Perfection is the prettiest little thing. My great-grandmother had a Pink Perfection uh, uh, Camellia by the corner of her house. She had uh, a little skirt of uh, the paper white narcissus on one side, that wonderful little heavenly bamboo with the red berries called Nandina. I made a flower bouquet for my dad uh, when he passed away about, oh, uh, I guess 18, 20 years ago from flowers that my great-grandmother had planted before he was even born. This combination bloomed dependably in the wintertime. They make great garden plants. They make great landscape plants. They make terrific flower arrangements, and they bloom in the winter, and they don't need any horticulture care at all. So there got some other stuff to talk about, but let's slide down to Natchez, Mississippi, and talk to Francis. Hey, Francis, good morning. Hey, Felder. What's up? i got a comment and a question. Okay. Uh, the comment is, uh, I read a few years back that uh, helium injected into Kudzu root systems would do the job. Huh. Hadn't heard that, but that sounds weird to me. It sounds like a good way to, to contribute to global warming. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. But but how do you find how, which roots? Uh, well, the, the the roots they don't go that deep on this stuff. So you know, when, like I said, uh, it was a kid that come up with it. He was doing I don't know what, but he, he injected the helium into the root system of the kudzu and uh. It. <laughs> yeah, well, can, can you imagine if a worm bit into it? Uh, I don't know what worms sound like, but they have that funny little sound for eating that pinium. <laughs> you know, okay, Reese, my, my question to you is, what is a good fertilizer for spider lilies? Some years, well, none of the years, uh, my, my spider lilies, they bloom sometimes, and most of the time they don't. Yeah. You know, it's a sort of hit or miss thing. It's not just a fertilizer. And by the way, if you overdo fertilizers, you'll have big old leafy clumps of of of, uh, of leaves, but no flowers. So you want to just give them just a little bit of an all-purpose fertilizer. Any kind of fertilizer where the numbers are about the same. You know, not triple thirty and triple eight. Those are agriculture chemicals. But any kind of of uh, flower fertilizer or or garden fertilizer, anything like that. Here, get this though. This is the time of year to fertilize spider lilies, daffodils. A little spring blooming bulbs, they bloom at, in the spring at the end of their growing season. You want to fertilize them at the beginning. So this is the time to scatter a little fertilizer out there, just a little bit. And any any all-purpose fertilizer, every couple of three or four years is all they need. One last question. I, it just came to me. I wanted to lime my garden. You know, put lime in it. When you, is the best you, time for that? Well, do, do you know you need some? Yeah, nothing's growing. Yeah, well, the the lime, lime is to counteract the acidity of soil, and I don't know that the soils around Natchez are naturally that acidic. Uh, if you call the county extension office, they can tell you in general where, you know, when I tested soils for Mississippi State, I could tell that in general most of the soils in the Hines County area needed a little bit of lime. But over and around West Point, they didn't need any lime. So, you know, we don't... In other words, it's not a magical ingredient. But to answer your question, lime lasts a long time, two, three, four years or more. And so the best time is every three or four years whenever you get around to it because it takes a while to start dissolving, uh, and it dissolves over. It's, a, it's ground up rock is what it is, limestone. And so it takes a long time to work. Uh, it lasts a long time. So any time you get around to it. Gotcha. It, just every three or four years. Gotcha. Thanks, Phil. Okay, good luck on it, Francis. Appreciate it. All right. Oh, my native plant for the week. I like to talk about a native plant, an edible plant, heirloom. The heirlooms would be the paper white narcissus, which is uh, Narcissus tazetta for those of you who care about stuff like that. Um, and the the camellia, the pink perfection. I like to talk about an edible, but the native plant I'm talking about is one of my favorite all-around yard plants overlooked because it has Pretty little flowers in the spring, beautiful, edible, nutritious, antioxidant berries in the in the, the summertime, and in the fall, the most brilliant, deep burgundy red you've ever seen. It's our native blueberries, rabbit eye blueberries, all the different kind of blueberries that uh you know they'll do they they won't produce well in the shade, but they have beautiful fall color in the shade. So anyway, the the native blueberries, uh, huckleberries, sparkleberries, farkleberries, all all the all those different members of that the cinnamon family are terrific for fall color right now. We're gonna take a real quick break. Come back with uh, more of the Gestalt Garden. Got some lines open right now. If you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, we're gonna a little short break. When we come back from the break, the bumper music coming out of the break. It's just about a thirty second snippet from uh, one of Mississippi's best known and best loved. 
country stars, Mr. Charlie Pride from Sledge, Mississippi. Passed away this past uh, this past week. Uh, Charlie Pride has uh, represented Mississippi all over the world. Uh, groundbreaker, many, many, many top uh, ten number one songs. But I just wanted to play one that's poignant for me because I also am from a little small cotton picking Mississippi Delta town. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Producer Liz Gill, all the folks at MPB, we'll be right back. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things listen to Fix It 101 podcast everywhere. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I'm pushing wrong buttons. This is here. why we need Java Chapman here. Java well, Chapman's the best. He, he, you know, y'all moved uh, the, you used to have a like a big tree full of, of uh, microphones in here. Now it's, it's all messed up and I'm having to put stuff between me and buttons because I got blinking lights and I want so bad to push a button. And uh, Java says, keep your hands away, Felder. Don't touch anything. Just talk. And uh, we're going to start out talking down in Ocean Space. No, we're going to, in Oxford. Hey, Judy, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. Good. What are you up to? You running or something? No, I'm driving. Okay. Well, be careful. Hand tree. There you go. There you go. What's going on this morning? Um, I have a problem with voles, V-O-L-E-S, yep. uh, who like to live next to the foundation of my house. And they eat roots of your plants. And they roots of my plants. I'm about giving up on plants. Um, someone told me that if you put uh, kitty litter down in the ground in their holes, it would make them go away. No, this is a physical thing. They they'll just dig a hole right beside that one. That's it's a they don't like you know it's not so much kitty litter. It's the it's the sharp clay uh, that you know you can work. Matter of fact, a lot of people they used to sell this stuff that you work into your flower beds. It's uh it's like kitty litter, but it's not absorbent. But it's little chunky sharp bits of clay, and you work it in, and it just makes them uncomfortable. You know, pokes in their nose and their eyes and all that stuff. But it won't drive them away. It just it's a physical deterrent for that spot. It, what, what they do in botanic gardens, and it's a real pain. I've done this myself uh, on, on some things. Is in the wintertime when the workers don't have much to do, they sit in the heated tool shed, and they make little baskets out of half-inch hardware cloth. And when they dig the flower beds out, they put the basket down in it, fill it back up with dirt, and it's like an underground fence. And it's a real, oh. it, it's a real pain. But in botanic gardens, you know, their livelihood depends on the flowers and the bulbs and stuff. And and uh, they, right. and you can also control voles. You can get them, believe it or not, with a with a mouse trap with a little peanut butter on it. But you got to put it near the holes and put a plant a, a pot over it with a rock on top so the dog doesn't push it over. And as long as it's in the dark, they'll come up and a lot of times a peanut butter will get them attract them to the oh. mouse trap. Wanting to kill them. That's my <laughs> I just want them to go move someplace else. <laughs> well, you know, they, they ain't going to do that. You know, not. Uh, they're not, comfortable there, huh? Yeah, of course. Of course. You know, move along. We don't think so. We like it here. Give us some more stuff uh, to eat. 
But anyway, the underground yeah, you, the underground fencing does help. Underground fencing. All right, well, I'll look up that. Thank you for the idea. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real pain, but it does work. For flower beds, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it. And by the way, along those lines, you can also take chicken wire and spread it on top of the ground, cover it with mulch, and that'll keep the squirrels from digging around and keep the neighbor's cats out of the garden. So basically, we're talking about physical exclusion of fence, underground, above ground, at ground. I wish there was a better solution, folks, but there's not. There's not. If there was, all of us horticulturists would know about it because we email each other all the time. You know, Liz, you know, on the as a producer here at MPB, you hear it's not just gardening. It's also food. It's the car. People want to do stuff. And we do, too. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just we don't experts. One of the things we have advantage we have here in MPB is we can say, I don't know and be okay about it. Or a lot of people try that. It really doesn't work and not feel like we got to sell somebody something. Well, and with our experts, it's it's so much better than Google because you've got to give and take. You can ask a question. You can talk about your specific situation. You can get feedback. You can call back and say, well, I tried that. That didn't yeah. work. Now what? I often know uh, when I get home uh, after the program, I often uh, go home and look stuff up, people ask me, because, you know, 40 years of doing this stuff, there's some stuff I never heard about, much less thought about, much less know about. But, well, it's a good relationship yeah. with the listeners and our hosts. It's a little trusted. That people trust me to not be a know-it-all. <laughs> anyway, let's go down to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Mikey, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing great. Good. I'm glad to hear this show. Great as usual. Also, um, what's yeah, up? Yeah, moles and holes and stuff like that. Dogs dig it up. I put a pot in yep. it. You know, when yep. I can, and that that's working. So the squirrel thing, man. Chicken wire will like. I, okay, I know. I got a question about that. Will will fiberglass screening also work? No, or is it, it going to have to be aluminum or some kind of metal? It does. It's a physical. It's just a physical thing. It does. I mean, you can you know you can make it out of crushed up beer cans if you want to. The main thing is just a physical exclusion. But chicken wire. Uh, is you can lay, you can roll it out, you can spray paint it brown before you do it, or green or whatever you want, which is what I do, and oh, uh, it's right. it's just easier to work with. So, so you know, if you got the, I I don't know about the fiber, it, sure it'll work, but well, I'm, chicken I'm wire. The wire, of course, you can just let it rust down to the color that you want, right? You know? Well, so, yeah, but chicken wire is not gonna, chicken wire is not going to rust for a long time. But anyway, what? what anyway, yes, sir. Uh, I I wanted to ask you specifically though about um, sassafras. What about plant? What about uh, it? Uh, can you transplant it? If so, when? And can you grow it in in good sized pots? Well, yeah, I was raised with sassafras, and you see it growing along railroads and all. It's a great native plant. It's a small tree; it never gets really big like an oak tree. Uh, and if you know where some small ones are, it's just a tree. You can dig it up. Best time to move stuff is is in the fall or winter. Right now, while they're dormant, but if you know where some small ones are, sure you can plant them. But I'll be honest with you, it's not a beautiful plant. It's just a tree. I mean, it's got interesting leaves and really nice kind of a buttery, yellowy, orangey fall color, real pretty fall color, but it's in the, in the yellowish. But it's not something I would call ornamental for a pot. Well, and, but except for one thing, Felder, you're leaving out. Aroma. Yeah, but that's only if you cut the roots and scrape them, which well, is a terrible thing. You can thing. grow it for that, right? But it's a terrible thing to do to a plant. Well, I'm not growing it as a plant. I might be growing it to make wreaths. 
I, I would I would put it out in the yard so that it can quickly regenerate new roots. It'll grow better in dirt than in a pot. And it's you know it's a tree. It's a tree. So anyway, you, you could probably grow it in a pot, but you know it's it's like growing an oak tree in a pot. Yeah, you can. Well, or an elephant ear. You know. No, 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 no. Elephant ear is a perennial. Uh, I, I know, but you want to contain them here in my climate, in yeah. my space. I need to contain them, yeah. so I deliberately grow them in pots. That's yeah. why I'm asking. Yeah, that that works. Well, anyway, the, the sassafras a nice small tree and is easy to transplant when they're small this time of year. Great, thank you so much, Felder. Okay, happy Pre- holidays. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate it. Okay, now let's slide down uh, across to Ocean Springs, not very far from Mobile. Marcy, uh, I'm a shed head. You've been out to the to the shed uh, barbecue place lately. Oh, am I online now? Yes, I, you I'm, are. I'm, I'm on the air. I'm sorry. Yep. Hi. Yep. Ever this eat is, out the shed? Um, I haven't been to the shed. I've heard about it and I've seen the billboards many times. Nice funky so, place. I am calling to ask you a question about master gardening classes. Okay. Um, so I'm in Ocean Springs and what would be the best route to find out about those? Because I'm about to relocate from the bayou to in town and the place I'm moving is already landscaped and I'm getting anxiety that I won't be able to garden enough. Yeah. Well, so well I think that I'm, I'm going to have to do some community gardening or something. Okay. Well, f- first of all, the master gardener is a program, which was incidentally, when I was with extension service, we were the last state to get the program. And uh, I and a guy named John Davis, who's a horticulturist uh, on the coast in Biloxi, we started the program in Mississippi. Um, and it's aimed toward you, you'll have to get 40 hours of training in everything, plant pathology and weeds and lawns and, and, uh, and insects and all that kind of stuff in return for a little community, a little payback, a little community service, working with Master Gardens and other projects. You're not going to learn about gardening. You're going to learn about horticulture. It's junior horticulture is what it is. I'm not trying to be critical, but all it does is it, it's, a, it's a condensed horticulture course, and then you, learn, you use that to start using it to learn about gardening and learning to share with others. So the real advantage is you meet with other enthusiastic gardeners, and that's where the sharing and the learning happens. But to answer your question, you, uh, you call the county extension office. They're over on uh, – Pops Ferry Road, I think, uh, over in in, uh, in Biloxi, and uh, find out when they have the next class because they, they they I don't know how often they do classes or if they're even doing it right now because of the the COVID virus. But usually every year or two they do a program, and uh, they also have uh, 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 meetings and they announce them where people come together and hear lectures and all. And if you go to one or two of those, you can meet some of them and get a little bit more information. But I, 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 they've got a nice little place there on Potts Ferry Road in Biloxi, the extension service. Okay, that sounds good. I want to tell you I'm reading Slow Gardening. I'm almost done with it and love it. There's some and cheesy stuff in there, ain't it? There's some, there's some cheesy stuff. I got a, an essay in Slow Gardening called On Schadenfreude, which is taking inappropriate pleasure from other people's mistakes. I read that in the book. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I would, on my breaks for at work, I just open it up and read it, and that just cracks me up. Well, so, uh, and I, this is I'm not trying to brag here, a little personal promotion here, but uh, University Press of Mississippi has got my next book coming out. I think in January, February. It's about. You know, I did a plant, a book with Steve Bender from Southern Living about pass along plants, the kind of plants that everybody grows. Slow gardening is about the way 
people actually garden, you know, the real stuff, not the horticulture stuff. This next one is about, uh, it's called Garden, excuse me, Maverick Gardeners. It's about determined, independent gardeners who do their own thing. And that'll be out from uh, uh, University Press of Mississippi early next year. Great. Okay. And if you have questions about your landscape, you know, give us a call or, or shoot me an email. Well, one more thing. How do I um, sort of raise the question to the people who manage the property that let them know that I, I won't mess anything up, but could I please garden some? You just ask them. You, you said it perfectly. Excuse me. Um, you mind if I do a little gardening over here? I promise to not mess it up. And when I'm done, I'll clean it up. And and okay, also and, and and growing containers, you know, big containers, uh, you know, which which are, are a lot easier to garden in. You can plant shrubs and ground covers and vegetables and herbs and uh, little fruits and all sorts of containers. Okay, I just can't let it get cluttery. You know, you can get it cluttery. You know, you need a little bottle tree and some some Mardi Gras beads out there too. Have, <laughs> I mean, have me. fun. Ocean Springs, we have plenty of Mardi Gras beads still Ho- hanging in the trees from February. Horticulture is the science of producing things, of getting things done, getting uh, accomplishing a goal, efficiencies. Gardening is for the love of it. I agree. Okay. 100%. Have Thank fun, you Marcy. So much. Appreciate. It. Hey, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Felder, we can play that Christmas music now. I've figured out Java's uh, wizardry that he usually does. Which, which one? Let's do let's do the Charlie Pride while we take our break, okay? okay? It's just a little short thing in honor of a country music great from Sledge, Mississippi. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app.
Alrighty, folks, that was a little snippet from a, a group called Slade. It was a, 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 a big pop tune. It's still one of the, the top uh, Christmas tunes in England from the 1970s. I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, whoever comes in the studio after me, because paper white smells like cat pee. And I've got oregano from my truck garden. It was covered with frost this morning, but I've got oregano growing in a pot in the back of a pickup truck. Don't tell me you can't grow stuff to eat. And even if you can't eat it, you know, heck, with the, between the rosemary and the oregano in the back of my pickup truck, I could eat roadkill if I have to. Uh, let's uh, start out now over in Bobby Al, Algon. Where, where are you from? Algoma. Where is that? No wonder. I can't even pronounce it. i never heard of it. A-L-G-O-M-A. It's just south of Pontotoc. It used to be a big town when they had the railroad, but when the railroad went away, it put it out of business. Okay, so what what county is that? It's Pontotoc County. Pontotoc County. All righty. Well, what's going on today? Well, I've got two questions I want to ask you. One, uh, i got some lilies. Wild, well, i got these lilies from an old house site, and I don't know what kind they are, but they'll grow wild. But what I'm wanting to know about them, they bloom some years twice, and some years they just bloom once. What's going on there? I don't know. It really helps to know, you know, kind of, can you describe what the flower's like? They uh orange. They got a long stem and an orange, and they got black dots on them like spiders. That's tight. Yeah, it's tall, tall, waist high, chest high type things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's tiger lily. Yeah, okay. And uh, actually, there's native ones. There's native, and there's some similar ones that are imported, but that sounds like the old tiger lily, which I have. And uh, here's the deal on lilies. You know, most plants that go roots to the bottom of the bulb, and then the flowers come out of the top of the bulb. Yeah. Well, lilies, the roots come out of the bottom, that little, it's like garlic. It's got cloves to it. The stem that grows up above that, the roots grow off of that. So you need to make sure they're in pretty good woodsy kind of dirt with plenty of fluffy stuff up above the, you know, three or four inches up above the bulb so they can root up the stem before they come out of the ground. Well, I don't never mess with them. I just let them grow, and they, I've had them about 15 years, and they just grow wild. Like. Well, over, over the fall, if you chop up some leaves, you know, maybe throw some leaves and stuff around them to make a nice little mulch and get some worms growing, then, in other words, make the dirt a little bit better up above them, then they'll, they'll have a better chance of blooming. Otherwise, it just depends on the weather. Why do they grow? Why do they bloom twice some years? Don't and know. Once a year, don't, year. Don't know. That's weird, ain't it? Yeah. Well, what uh, something else I wanted to ask you too. I live up on top of a hill, and I got this old black gumbo dirt, mm-hmm. and it's just full of crawfishes, and I can't get rid of them. I tried everything, and nothing gets rid of them. What yeah. Can- well, a couple of things. You can get rid of them, but you can't get rid of all of them. So you're gonna be out there all the time trying to kill something that just likes swimming around in muddy clay down there. So, you know, if you want to get rid of them, uh, you have to use poisons. And they're not really hurting anything, and they're telling us that not much is going to grow out there anyway. So, you know, where you see crawdads, crawfish, pardon me, my delta came out, a bunch of hillbillies and delta people trying to talk about mud bugs. But, uh, you know, you, you can kill them. But there's no real reason for it. You can't get rid of all of them. They're not really hurting anything. Well, one reason I try and get rid of them, they make them mounds, and my lawnmower don't like the mounds. Just sharpen your blade every every year and don't worry about them because you ain't getting rid of them. Well, that, uh, 
know these crows and, and ravens, they just love them, but uh, they yeah. can't eat them all up. I know, I know. But they're, they're sort of like trying to get rid of earthworms. Can't do it, so so oh, just mow around them. I love earthworms, but yeah. I can't well, get them to work too much in this gumbo. Well, you know why? why? Because crawdads are made for doing that. They're the earthworms of gumbo. Yeah, well. <laughs> good good uh, luck on it, Bobby. All right, appreciate it. Let me see. Let's go now to Billy from Benton. Hey, Billy, good morning, sir. How are you doing? So far, so good. Running out of time, though. What's up? How do you get a pomegranate started? You buy the seed, set them out, or you buy a plant that's already growing and set it out? If you get one that's already growing, it's going to save you several years, or else you could find somebody who's got one of root cuttings from the stems. They're, 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 they're real quick from cuttings. If you grow them from seed, it takes forever, and they're going to be several years old before they get mature enough to flower. So either take some cuttings this time of year, December, January, February, or else get you one that's already growing and save yourself a lot of time. Time is more important sometimes than money. Thanks, sir. Good luck on it. Pomegranates, great, great fruit. So uh, after the first year, we're going to try to have a little home uh, fruit seminar. We're going to give that a try, see how the coronavirus does. But if you have questions about that, shoot me an email. Meanwhile, let's go up to Starkville and talk with Graham. Graham, what's up, man? Uh, I've got a, a bottle of uh, Sioux City sarsaparilla before me, and I want to know what's the difference between sarsaparilla, sarsaparilla, sassafras, and ginseng. <laughs> they're, they're, they're made from roots of different fragrant aromatic roots of different kind of plants. Uh, sassafras, uh, the, the, the smell of it is used as a base for a, a lot of different things, including some medicines. But uh, they're, they're basically tinctures and beverages made from oils from the roots of different kind of plants. Ginger is a whole different plant from, than, uh, than sassafras. But that's all it is. Are they four different plants? Or I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I basically I told you everything I knew just then. I don't know sarsaparilla versus what was the other one? Sarsaparilla. They're yeah. probably the same. Yeah. You know, I, I, I read that up years and years ago, but it sort of crunched it down in my head to where well, they're made out of roots. Okay. And you should have told them about tiger lilies, that how edible, delightful they are in the salad. Oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. But you told them for me. Thank you, man. Good luck. All right. Appreciate it. We're out of time, Liz. It went quick. That it did. And we won't see you till next year. So Happy New Year, Felder. Thank you. Thank you. I I will linger for a while because between the oregano and the paper whites in here and just me and the coffee I spilled on the table, it's smelly in here. Hey, folks, it's a holiday season. A lot of illness, a lot of safety issues out there, but also just the usual crazy stuff. I hope you have a a Merry Christmas. I hope you have safe and happy holidays. And, folks, here's for a better next year. It's it's, it's still a weird year. Next year's going to have its own weirdness, but we always have hope. And here at MPB, that's what we're going to bring you. Every time we come on the air, we're going to try to come up with ways to to help you have a good time. And in my case, hope you have a better time next year and get as dirty as you can. See y'all next year.